Hello and welcome to the September 18th edition of Ukraine and Belarus Without Hype, where we take a look at the biggest stories of the week from Ukraine, Belarus, and the region. I'm Romy Kapratsky, and connecting remotely is my colleague Maria Romanenko. Unfortunately, I'm in quarantine, so being on opposite sides of Kiev is as close as we can get. Hello, and yes, that's true, but we're going to do the best we can. This is, unfortunately, the last episode of this season, our first season of Ukraine Without Hype. If you've enjoyed listening to our weekly wrap-ups, then don't fret, we won't be gone for long. And to keep you from mourning, let's jump straight into the biggest stories of the past week, starting with the news that Belarusian dictator Alexander Lukashenko has announced that Belarus will be closing its borders with Poland and Lithuania and strengthening border security with Ukraine. He made the announcement during a pro-regime rally organized to push back against the 100,000-plus mass demonstrations that have become a weekly fixture of Minsk city life. And his statement was typical of the messaging he's been setting out for a few weeks now, that NATO was on the cusp of invading Belarus, that the West wants to create a color revolution Belarus, and so on. In the beginning, Ukraine was able to avoid the worst of paranoia, but following an incident with Russian mercenaries who were arrested in Minsk, who allegedly were pawns in a Ukrainian intelligence operation, and Ukraine supporting EU sanctions and statements against Lukashenko, the dictator's ire has turned against Ukraine, whom he called at the same address a, quote, satellite of the United States. Meanwhile, he's attempting to strengthen ties with Russia, visiting the Russian Black Sea resort town of Sochi. He met with Russian President Vladimir Putin there, and they agreed on a $1.5 billion loan from Russia to Belarus to help stabilize the latter's economy following massive strike actions at many major state-owned plants and factories. And perhaps that's a sign of Russia's trust that Lukashenko will cling on to power despite the popular will of the Belarusian people, as it withdrew interior ministry forces this week that it had stationed on the Russian-Belarusian border. The forces, agreed upon with Lukashenko earlier, weren't meant to be used in case of, quote, external interference in Belarus, or a complete deterioration of the situation, though it seems that Russia at least believes that the threat of that has passed. But that's not even all the trouble that was between Ukraine and Belarus this week. Thousands of Hasidic Jews who had hoped to enter Ukraine to have the traditional celebration of the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, in the Ukrainian city of Uman were stuck on the Belarusian border. They've been clamoring for entrance into Ukraine. And while Ukraine has so far been loath to accede to their demands, negotiations between Israel and Ukraine may change that. Israel first called on the Ukrainian government to let them through, but then changed their tune, with the Israeli foreign minister advising the Hasidim stuck on the Belarusian border to go back to Israel. As of press time, it seems that they've taken that advice and have left the border to return to Israel. And for those Hasidim that have made it across the border prior to the foreigner ban, they've been running into trouble of their own in Uman as a result of a conflict that sparked between local residents and the Hasidic community over the construction of a new synagogue. The locals claim that the synagogue is being built illegally and is causing damage to nearby buildings. But the Hasidim say that all their paperwork is in order and they simply being hated upon. With Rosh Hashanah starting today, celebrations in Uman this week are most likely going to be subdued compared to previous years, both because of COVID-19 precautions, lack of visitors, and the simmering conflict between the Jews and some Uman residents. 
And that wasn't the only conflict in Ukraine this week. Yevor Shatailo, the co-host of a popular Ukrainian satirical news show, Telebachenya Taranto, was assaulted prior to a stand-up show in Kyiv on Sunday. The program says that Shatailo was pushed to the ground and sprayed with gas, allegedly by members of the far-right tradition and order organization. In a comment, Shatailo says that he believes the attackers came to protest LGBTQ plus rights and jokes that Shatailo had planned about traditional values, though he says he didn't suffer any notable damage from the attack. Well, hopefully Shatailo's attackers can be found, but at least one criminal in Ukraine isn't hiding. And that's Alexander Yushchenko, recently a member of the ruling Servant of the People Party led by President Volodymyr Zelensky, now resigned. He was caught red-handed on video during a National Anti-Corruption Bureau's sting operation, listing out prices for bribes. If you're wondering, Yurchenko named 13,000 US dollars for entering an amendment into a bill and 200,000 US dollars to quote-unquote purchase committee members. But despite evidence of this posted to Nabu's YouTube page, Prosecutor General Irina Venediktova was initially reluctant to charge the MP, claiming that there, quote-unquote, wasn't enough evidence to sign a notice of suspicion. But after President Zelensky spoke out against Yurchenko and corruption, the MP was charged with bribe-taking and may face a courtroom. But perhaps not too soon, as he says he can't be taken in for a court hearing because he's self-isolating after being in touch with somebody known to have the coronavirus. That's a very 2020 excuse. I wonder if we're going to see more accused criminals pick it off if it pays off for Yurchenko? Yeah, it only delays the hearing still. True, but uh, you know, I should use that excuse at some point. I'm sorry I can't go to the bank to discuss an overdue loan I have the coronavirus. But unfortunately, that excuse won't work on the scale of an entire country, as Ukraine is quickly finding out. Following strong denunciations by anti-corruption NGOs and members of the European Parliament after Ukraine's parliament voted to finally approve members of the Specialized Anti-Corruption Office Selection Commission, who will be responsible for conducting the hiring process of the SAPO's head. But the vote itself has been called overly politicized. While the Servant of the People Party voted in favor of the proposed candidates, the only major opposition party to join them was the pro-Russian for Life Party, headed by oligarch Viktor Mitschuk. Opposition parties Wolos, European Solidarity, and Batkivshina all voted against. And the candidates themselves were called inexperienced and lacking integrity by both some MEPs and anti-corruption NGOs, with one MEP, Viola von Kramen, even hinting that Ukraine's visa-free travel status to the European Union might be at risk if the government doesn't guarantee Sabo's independence. Their suspicions may be raised, at least in part, due to legal action taken against Ukraine's National Anti-Corruption Bureau, widely seen as one of the few government bodies in the country that is effectively pursuing anti-corruption. In the latest salvo against Nabu, the Constitutional Court named a series of laws and regulations, including appointing and firing Nabu directors, appointing members to a committee intended to oversee the hiring process, appointing an independent auditor, and approving regulations for the Public Control Council and its formation to all be unconstitutional. And that's it for this week. And Ukraine Without Hype will be taking a break for a while as we recharge and re-energize. But keep an eye on our Twitters, at Romary for myself, Maria Romanenko, and at Vagrant Journal for Romeo Kopratsky. And just in case you didn't catch that, we'll be putting the links in the description for this episode. 
On our Twitter pages, you'll be able to see when exactly we'll be resuming the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and it has been an absolute pleasure doing this for you all. Goodbye and good night.